Good morning. Today is Monday, March 13th, 2023. The Aron, the Ark, in the Mishkan, in the sanctuary, was a box. And it held the Luchos, the two tablets of stone on which were engraved the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments. Now, on top of the box was a lid called the Kaporis. It was flat, solid gold, like the outer and the inner layers of the box, the Aron itself. So it was a flat lid, and rising from the flat base, Vaasisa Shnayim Kruvim, there were two cherubs. A kruv is a, a kind of malach, a kind of angel. And these were two for, the form of two angels with wings, and the wings were spread upwards towards each other, so it formed like a canopy. It created, the, the wings created and defined a sheltered space between them. And the Torah says, And God says to the Jewish people, that is where I will make myself known to you from that spot. And I will speak to you, God says, from the space on top of the kapores between the two kruvim. So this was the spot of the connection between God and the Jewish people. And in our Torah portion this week, the double parsha Vayakel Pekude, this spot was created and installed. But there is an inconsistency with this. Because a couple of weeks ago we read in the Torah, Upneem Ish El Achiv, the orientation of these two malachim, these two angels, they were facing each other, one facing the other. But later in our history, in Direi Hayamim, the book of Chronicles, there the prophet says, Upnehem Labayis, both of these images were facing forward, meaning as if they're standing shoulder to shoulder. In one place it says they're facing each other, and the other is they're, face, they're standing shoulder to shoulder, both facing the same direction. So which one is it? The Talmud asked this question. The Gemara Baba Basra, excuse me. The Gemara Baba Basra asked this question. And the Gemara gives the following answer. Kan bizman shi Yisrael osim one is talking about, one situation is talking about when the Jewish people are acting in accordance with God's will. And the other scenario is when the Jewish people, Nebuch, God forbid, are not doing exactly what God wants us to do. Now, you may remember last year I shared a counterintuitive interpretation of this from Rabbi J.J. Schachter. But today I just want to share just a simple, straightforward understanding. 
And that is that when they were facing each other, that demonstrated, that exhibited, that was Zman Shi Yisrael Osim Rishon That's when the Jewish people were acting properly. So this is a metaphor for the relationship between God and the Jewish people. This is the place of the connection, the relationship. And so how they're standing indicates what the status of the relationship is. And when they're facing each other, that shows closeness and love and concern. And unfortunately, vice versa. If they would be standing shoulder to shoulder facing the same direction, you know, they're not facing each other. That's not so close. That's not so intimate. All right. (laughs) That's a neat trick. I mean... You have this inanimate object. It is made out of solid gold. These, this, this, these two angels are, are, are uh, sculptures out of solid gold, but they animate somehow and they move or, or swivel, I guess. It's kind of like a constant barometer of how the relationship is going, except it was hidden. Remember, this is in the Kodesh HaKadosh, in the Holy of Holies. No one ever saw it. It was behind a curtain in the Holy of Holies. No one ever saw it except once a year the Kohen Gadol would enter on Yom Kippur. Okay, I guess after Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol would deliver a state of the union. I guess he would report on, you know, what was the orientation so people would have a little feedback. But still, I mean, why did they need this kind of barometer? Especially because during the entire time that the base of Migdash was standing, the Holy Temple was standing in Jerusalem, there were Nevi'im, there were prophets, who were also communicating God's pleasure or, God forbid, displeasure in our actions. And also, what does it do for us? I mean, the, the, the time of Jewish history that we have not had the base of Megdash is much longer than the time that we have had it. So what do these Kruvim mean for us? Allow me to suggest that we can learn a great deal from these Kruvim and their movements and practically apply it to our daily lives and see the improvement it brings. Allow me to introduce you to Julie and John Gottman. Perhaps you've heard of them. This is the first time I'm learning of them from an article in the New York Times written by Catherine Pearson. John and Julie Gottman are renowned marriage researchers. They wrote a book titled, uh, many books, but one of them is titled, The Love Prescription, Seven Days to More Intimacy, Connection, and Joy. And it's a book that has seven chapters, seven exercises. Oh, you, you do, a couple does over the course of seven days. Seven Days to More Intimacy, Connection, and Joy. Now, they founded the pioneering research center called the Gottman Love Lab. It was founded in the 1980s at the University of Washington to study what makes romantic love last. 
And this couple themselves, Julie and John, are in many ways their own best case study because they themselves in their personal lives offer a realistic example of what a thriving, long-term, loving relationship can be. John said, we have conflict, we have fights, there are times that we don't like each other very much. But we use these tools, meaning the exercises from their book, and over time, they really work and they become second nature. Among their many um, suggestions, this is shared by, by many experts, they recommend that couples have a regular date night. When we were younger and we didn't have much money, we would go to a beautiful hotel in Seattle that had a fantastic lobby with a big stone fireplace and soft, beautiful couches, and we would claim one and pretend we were guests. We would order one glass of something and we would talk for hours, just asking each other big, open-ended questions. We would ask, is there anything more I can do to show you how much I love you? That's a great question. And that's just one of their suggestions of very, very simple things to do that really improve relationships. Julie said often <laughs> what she just wanted <laughs> was for John to pick up his books from the floor. Okay, everybody needs something different. But here is their number one relationship improver. This is number one. And they're most famous for this. And they themselves say they've had the most success for this, with this. And this number one way to improve a relationship they call turning toward. Turning toward. When one partner makes an earnest bid for connection, let's say my partner says something to me, the other partner has three choices. They can ignore the outreach by turning away. They can respond negatively, turn against, or they can acknowledge the bid positively, turn toward. I'll give you an example. Julie said, let's say I say to John, wow, look at that beautiful bird out the window. John could totally ignore me. That's one option. He could say, would you stop trying to interrupt me? That's a second option. And the third option is, he can turn towards me and he could say, wow, yeah, that really is amazing. Now, that may sound like a small thing, but the Gottmans have decades of data to support their idea that brief moments of kindness and connection can predict marital happiness. Here's one of their best-known experiments. They invited 130 newlywed couples to spend a day 
hanging out in their lab, but the lab was decorated like a very cozy home. So they had 130 couples spending the day in their lab, and they meticulously tracked every movement that they made over the course of this, the hours that they spent in the lab. The Gottmans checked on these 130 couples after six years, and they found a striking split. Listen carefully. Those who, were, who had remained together after six years had turned toward each other in that one day in the lab when they were newlyweds, they had turned toward each other 86% of the time that they were there, 86%. Those who ended up divorced after six years had, the day in the lab when they were newlyweds, turned toward each other only 33% of the time. Turning toward each other was the greatest predictor of how the marriage would succeed. Amazing. And that is precisely what the Keruvim teach us. Turn toward each other for a loving relationship. And you have to turn toward each other physically and emotionally you have to face the other person with your body, with your face, and with your presence, with your attention. And doing so is the greatest predictor, after decades of research, of what will create a loving, long-term relationship. And the truth is it applies to, applies to a spouse. It applies in any close relationship. And I invite you to try it. Now, I know from my own experience, my own experience of doing a very mediocre job at turning toward, it is something that I need to improve. And this is really a reminder to me that this is something that I have to work on, just sharing it with you. Perhaps you can benefit as well. But I know from my own experience, limited experience, hopefully it'll get better, limited. But when I do that, when I do that, I can notice the difference. And I certainly notice when someone else does or does not turn toward me when I am addressing them. It applies to every loving relationship. Equally, it applies to our relationship with God. And this is what we do when we pray. We need to remind ourselves when we pray that we are turning toward God. Literally, when we start the Amidah, the Shemon Esrei, literally we stand and walk forward toward God. That is exactly what we are doing. We are acting out, turning toward, just like the Kruvium. At that moment of the closeness, we're facing each other. We are facing God. We're facing God physically. I mean, to the extent our physicality, obviously. Emotionally, removing distractions, focusing our attention. And when we do so, 
in every relationship, we will have the same positive results, the same improvement. And I invite you to test it. Try it. I have seen it work. I know that I need to do it more. Try it. And you tell me if it improves things in relationships that are important to you. The Gutmans think of it this way. A relationship is a cup of tea that you can flavor how you want. You can use salt or you can opt for sugar. That's all you're really doing when you add these small things into your day, they write. Putting a little sugar into your relationship to make it sweeter and sweeter. The changing position of the Kruvim teaches us to do that by turning toward to create a loving relationship. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.